0: But even if that potting mix is perfect from the very beginning, it's going to become depleted of those nutrients because those nutrients are constantly going to be used up by those plants and they're going to leach out through watering. Hey, I'm Karen and together with my husband, I spent over a decade researching and learning and building our small farm through lots of trial and error, successes and failures I went back to school to get my degree in horticulture to help our farm business and now I want to pass all that knowledge on to you because I firmly believe that self-reliance is empowering and that everyone, whether you've got a five-acre plot in the country, a half-acre lot in suburbia, or a windowless room in a downtown apartment, should just grow something. Hello, my gardening friends, and welcome back to the Just Grow Something podcast. And on today's Focal Point Friday, I'm going to do some follow-up. I'm going to do my first correction section. I'm going to do some follow-up on the episode from Tuesday about nutrients, and I'm going to do a little bit of follow-up also on last Friday's episode about food waste. This episode is really going to be all about what I missed, what I got wrong, and a little bit of clarification. So welcome back. Um, I also want to say a quick welcome to all of our new listeners, uh, especially those who are listening in foreign countries outside the U.S. Um, Welcome to you who are listening in the U.K., Argentina, Canada, and Australia. I absolutely appreciate that you are listening to this, and I know that your weights and measurements are a little bit different Uh, than they are here in the U.S., and the timing of your plantings are going to be different in a lot of those areas, especially you in Australia. Uh, So I hope that you are gleaning a lot of information from what you're hearing, and if there's anything that I can do to to help clarify things for you, absolutely send me an email. I will do my best to help with you and your particular growing situation. So uh, I want to clarify something really quick, or I guess not really clarify, I guess, let you in on something. It is spring here uh, in in Missouri on the farm. And that is, of course, our, our prime planting time. It's when we sort of go from zero to 90 miles an hour, practically overnight. And as a result, I am often Recording these episodes the night before they are being released. I am not far enough ahead on things right now where I could be recording a couple of weeks ahead of time and then just getting them posted and giving myself a cushion. There is no cushion here at the moment. As a matter of fact, it is almost 9:30 at night on Thursday, and this episode will drop at 1 a.m. on Friday, if that tells you anything. So A lot of these episodes are happening sort of off the cuff, Uh, just like sitting down and having a cup of coffee with me and talking gardening, which is hopefully how I feel like this is going. I'm just having a conversation with you and I'm trying to give you whatever knowledge I have to be able to help you in your own gardens. But just like in any off the cuff conversation, Sometimes the information may not be entirely accurate. And anytime I realize that that has happened, because I do go back and I listen to these episodes the next day um, or when they drop to to hear, you know, okay, double check what I said, make sure that I'm saying the right thing, make sure I'm not passing on any bum scoop. Um, If that happens, I will absolutely call myself out and I will come back and I will correct that because I never want you to get incorrect information. That leads me to our very first correction section because I listened to uh, this week's Garden Talk Tuesday on nutrients and realized that I did give you a little bit of bum scoop. When I was talking about nitrogen and I was talking about those plants that appreciate an extra boost of nitrogen... I listed cantaloupe, cucumbers, and squash in that list. Uh, That is actually not true. Uh, And I was sort of mortified when I heard myself say that over my podcast player. Uh, Yes, those in the curcubit family do like a regular amount of nitrogen at first, uh, but they don't do well with high amounts of nitrogen. Um, they do appreciate higher amounts of phosphorus and potassium, specifically once they start flowering. So remember, when we were talking about the nutrients, nitrogen is good for kind of stock growth and vine growth and leafy green, and then phosphorus and potassium are really beneficial when it comes to flowering and fruiting. And so even though cantaloupe and cucumbers and some of the squashes are sort of vining types of plants they do not appreciate a high level of nitrogen at all. So my recommendation with those plants is to start with a balanced and low level type fertilizer if you need it, like a 555. So as a review, those three nutrient, those three numbers represent the amount of uh, nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium in that order by percentage of what's in your package. So it'd be 5% nitrogen, 5% phosphorus, 5% potassium, right? So something that's balanced, but not super high. You're not going to dump a 20-20-20 on there. Um, But then when they start to flower, you want to sort of bump that to maybe double the phosphorus and the potassium um, with a lower number of the nitrogen. So like a 5-10-10, 5 being the nitrogen and those 10s being the phosphorus and the potassium. So that's going to help your curcubits bits a lot better than trying to give them a bunch of nitrogen early on and then trying to swap that. So, uh, my apologies on that one. That is this uh, this week's correction section, and hopefully, I don't have to do that too often. But, uh, and if you hear something that sounds a little off or doesn't quite match what you've heard you know, from other people or other sources, again, call me out on that. I, I have no problem with that. And I will absolutely go back and, and correct myself. Um, and here's just, you know, hoping that as I go on, I actually have notes put together for this stuff <laughs> rather than just totally doing it off the cuff. And that way I can pass on more accurate information um, right off the bat and not have to go back and correct myself. So there's that. Uh, the next thing I want to do is I want to do some follow-up to that nutrient Uh, episode because, you know, my goal with this podcast is to not just teach people how to garden in the ground, but to garden no matter what space you have, Um, which obviously includes containers, whether it's indoors and outdoors. And as I listened back to that episode, I realized I didn't touch at all on nutrient requirements for plants that are being grown in containers, whether they're in pots on your back porch or they're in a raised bed. Uh, you obviously need to worry about fertilizer. So, um, let's talk a little bit about that. Where you know specifically nutrients for container gardening. I did talk a bit uh, in that episode about making sure that you're always testing your soil before you start adding any nutrients whatsoever. That might not be something that you'll need to do in containers. It honestly depends on how permanent your containers are and how large they are. So if you have fairly large raised beds out in your yard and you're not completely stripping those beds every year and adding fresh you know, soil to it, which I would assume that you wouldn't be, um, then yes, you do need to be doing a soil test because the composition of that soil is going to change from year to year depending on what you've planted in there and then also depending on what other amendments you've put in there, whether you've added compost or you've been using some sort of a mulch that breaks down, um, it's gonna change the composition a little bit. So you definitely do wanna be doing a soil test in the fall uh, at the end of your gardening season to prepare those beds um, for your spring planting so that you know what you might be short on So you can add some amendments if necessary in the fall. And then if you're testing again in the spring and you still find that you're short, then yes, you may want to be um, fertilizing a little bit throughout the season. The level of fertilization is going to depend on how large or how deep those beds are. The volume of soil is going to make a substantial difference as to how quickly those nutrients are going to be depleted in addition to what Plants you are growing in there, the same goes for containers, say that are just large pots uh, that you might be having um, on your on your on your porch or smaller containers that you have in your windowsills. Those you most likely are going to be replacing the soil in every single year. So you're going to start with a brand new potting mix in most instances in those containers. But even if that potting mix is perfect from the very beginning, it's going to become depleted of those nutrients because those nutrients are constantly going to be used up by those plants and they're going to leach out through watering. The smaller your container and the faster the plant grows, the more fertilizer and water it's going to require. And the more frequently that you have to water, the more frequently you're going to have to feed those plants because you know the more you water the more it's leaching the more nutrients are being lost so it's always best to be planting in the largest container that you can Um, Because that is going to not only give your plants more room for a better root system, but it's also going to prevent you from having to water as frequently. You won't lose as much water if you can do a really, really deep watering um, at one time and then wait until it dries out about two inches beneath the surface before watering again and doing a deep watering. You're going to have less of those nutrients sort of washing out. So the larger the container, the better but you are going to have to feed those plants. And then if you have a really large area out in the yard, that is a large raised bed. If you've got contact with the soil underneath that bed, um, then you also may have to fertilize a little bit less frequently because As the original soils underneath um, continue to break down over the years, those nutrients start to sort of filter their way up to the surface um, of the soil. And so, even if you didn't have great soil underneath, and that's the reason that you're doing raised beds, if it's still in contact, you're still going to have nutrients coming up and making their way up, hopefully through whatever soil biota you have going on underneath there. Um, If you've put some sort of barrier, between your, the bottom of your raised bed and the soil surface, or if you're gardening on top of a surface that just really isn't soil, it's either just plain dirt or even, you know, differently, it could be concrete or, or gravel or something. Um, that's also going to affect how frequently frequently you have to fertilize. Good rule of thumb, number one, is to follow the package directions. Okay, Some are going to say you need to feed weekly, some uh, every two weeks, some only once per month. A lot of this is going to depend on their formulation. It's going to depend on the basics of what is being used to create that formulation, whether it's uh, organic or it's synthetic, um, what the sources are um and then it's also going to depend on the concentration as well so whether it's a 555 five, five, or a 101010 10, 10, again that's that's depending you know that's telling you how much of a percentage of that package is that nutrient and so obviously the higher numbers are a bit stronger you're not going to have to fertilize as frequently so always make sure you're following the package directions to start with after that, it's gonna be a matter of your judgment. Some of those packages are really specific and they're really good about saying, for X amount of square footage of soil, use this amount, or for you know this size pot, use this amount and use it uh, this frequently. That's great. If they have that specific of instructions on there, that's fabulous. I would follow those instructions because that's the manufacturer. They know what's in there. Um, Also, let the plants be your guide, though. You know, if if we talked about in that episode, uh, and I posted an IGTV video also uh, today, um, so yesterday, by the time you're listening to this, um, about, you know, some of the the symptoms of uh, nutrient deficiencies. If you start to see some of those in your plants, even though you are fertilizing regularly, then either... You need to use a stronger fertilizer, or you need to fertilize more frequently, or you need to look at the amount that you're watering. You might need to look at the size of your container. That is going to be your best guide, is your plant's reaction to what you're doing. You can follow those instructions on the packages to a T, and your plant may still go, "Uh, no, I'm looking sickly, I'm, I'm looking weak. And then it might be time to go ahead and up your game a little bit and say, "All right, yes, I need to go ahead and feed uh, a little bit more frequently." What goes hand in hand with that is um, what to feed, right? So, what level of fertilizer do you use? Do you use a five-five-five? Do you use a five-ten-ten? Um, do you use a, you know, a five-ten-five? Five? What do you use? That is going to depend on what you're growing. And that's sort of the whole idea behind uh, this episode and the previous episode is to give you an idea of what each of those nutrients does so that you can use them accordingly based on what it is that you're growing. Once again, if you have a good fertilizer that is very detailed on the package, it's going to tell you, hey, this is formulated for tomatoes and other vegetables. This is formulated for flowers and fruits. This is formulated for, you know, leafy greens, whatever it says. So if you can, you know, sort of find a package that is a fertilizing for dummies sort of package, yes, go for it. Because, you know, even I, obviously forget sometimes which nutrients are best for which plants and unless you're carrying a chart around with you in your pocket it's hard to remember especially you know when you're just starting out so use those guides from those those fertilizer companies this is what they do they know what they're doing um follow those instructions also but then also you know sort of educate yourself on what your plants need you know by by looking up okay is this is this a fruiting variety thing or is this more for leafy greens because especially if you're growing in containers, you actually have a whole heck of a lot more control over the soil composition and the nutrients in the soil um, based on the number of containers you have. So if you're growing, you know, say tomatoes and peppers in one container, then you can choose a specific fertilizer that is really good for those plants. And then if you're growing your leafy greens and your brassicas in another container, well, then you can choose one that works best for those And use it just for them. And you could just buy a balanced fertilizer that has all three numbers even across the board and use that as the base for all your fertilizing needs for all of your types of plants. And then buy something that is specific to phosphorus and potassium, like a bone meal, I'm going to say it's phosphorus and calcium um, that bone meal is good for, you know, and then, or maybe buy a, um, a feather meal or a blood meal that is specifically nitrogen based and use those as an extra little boost on top of your balanced fertilizer based on the plant that's growing and based on its needs. So, if you're doing it in containers, you can tweak that a little bit more closely. Um, if you can split up those plants by the, based on their needs uh, into separate containers. So you have a little bit uh, more room to work with when you are working in containers and trying to manage your nutrients. So I hope that gives a little bit more information for you container growers out there about, you know, how often to feed, what to feed, um, when to start feeding. You know, I, it, look on your potting mix too. On the back of your potting mix that you're using, it usually will say, you know, has nutrients to feed, you know, continuously for four weeks or so. Okay. Well, if it's been six weeks since you planted those in that container, yeah, they probably need to have a little bit of a boost at that point. So then get yourself a fertilizer that tells you, yes, feed these plants in this square footage, you know, every two weeks and do it at this rate and just follow those instructions. Once you get a little bit more experience under your belt, you're going to be able to let the plants tell you. You're also going to be able to draw on your experience to go, oh, yeah, I know, you know, when I grew this before, it really needed, you know, some plant food sooner rather than what I had done. So I'm going to do this a little bit earlier, which is another reason why keeping a journal of some sorts is such a really good idea. So keeping track of your nutrients and uh, nutrients and containers. I hope that gives you a little bit more information to go on. You've heard me talk before about First Saturday Lime, the environmentally friendly alternative to pesticides that we use on our farm. We use it everywhere, in the gardens, in the chicken coops, in the pig pastures, and around the outside of our home. Traditional hydrated lime can be dangerous to work with, but First Saturday Lime created a non-caustic formula that is tough on bugs, but totally safe for humans and pets. Now, as a listener of the Just Grow Something podcast, First Saturday Lime can be your favorite natural pest control too. You can save 10% off your first order by using the code JUSTGROW at checkout at firstsaturdaylime.com. It's a super strong formula derived from eco-friendly products. It's safe for us. It's safe for the animals. And it's so effective, I have a 20-pound bag delivered every month to use it on the first Saturday. Get it? (laughs) Good. Now get it. Go to FirstSaturdayLime.com and use code JUSTGROW for 10% off your first order. There's not much better than looking out first thing on a sunny morning, gazing at my garden beds over a hot cup of coffee. As U.S. Marines, my husband and I drank a lot of coffee. As farmers, let's just say we should probably drink more water. The coffee we drink these days still has a military tie. We have freshly roasted coffee shipped to us every few weeks from Black Rifle Coffee Company. Black Rifle is a veteran-owned business, just like ours, but they serve up premium coffee and ship it around the world. When you join their coffee club, your chosen brew is roasted, packaged, and shipped free to your door on whatever schedule you choose. And with every purchase, they're giving back to military veterans and active duty law enforcement and first responders. Ready to check them out? Go to justgrowsomethingpodcast.com/coffee to save 20% when you join the Black Rifle Coffee Club. No commitments, cancel anytime. That's com slash coffee for 20% off your Coffee Club subscription. So the other thing I wanted to talk about today is to follow up a little bit on the food waste episode that I did last Friday. If you remember, I talked about... Uh, food waste in this country, what the source of that food waste is, whether it's, um, you know, pre-consumer or post-consumer, um, how much of it comes from, you know, just right off the farm versus how much of it happens after it gets into our kitchens or into restaurants um, or into grocery stores and sort of the uh, the basics behind that. And then also the idea of these Uh, companies that are rescuing, you know, seconds, imperfect foods, uh, irregular produce, whatever, um, and getting them to your door. And at one point, I made a comment about, um, you know, don't feel pressured into uh, purchasing from these companies because you feel like you're, you know, you need to save a family farm by purchasing irregular produce. And I had a couple people reach out to me um, with some concerns about that because I, I guess maybe I made it sound like I wasn't a proponent of these companies at all. And I didn't think that, you know, it was important to be utilizing that sort of ugly produce um, directly from, you know, small family farms. And that is certainly not what my intent was. So I wanted to clarify just a little bit because if you've listened to this podcast much at all or listened to the intro, you understand that I am a small family farm. <laughs> my husband and I run a a small produce farm and we do sell direct to consumer and we have very little in the way of wholesale. We do not have several thousand acres where we, or even several hundred acres where we're producing produce that is going to a wholesaler who is turning around and sending it to these different channels, whether it's going to the grocery stores or it's going to restaurants or schools or institutions um, or to any of these, you know, sort of imperfect food companies. Um, We rely on our customers here locally to support this farm. And what we bring to the stand is A combination of what would be considered number ones and number twos. Uh, if, If you listened to that episode, I sort of read the definition of what a number one tomato is and all of the requirements that go into that. I didn't get into what the difference is between a number one and a number two or a number two and a number three. Uh, just basically I said, you know, this is the number ones go to the grocery store for the most part. The number twos are often sent, um, either for bulk sales to institutions or restaurants or, or schools. Uh, the number twos and the number threes are sent for, um, freezing or for further processing to be canned. Very little of it, little of it is actually wasted. And then anything that isn't, is a number three, you know, or below a number three is often used as livestock feed on a small scale with us, we try to sort of keep our, we treat our number ones and our number twos the same for the most part when it comes to our farm stands. So, and we're not charging a different rate for those unless we're selling them in bulk to individuals who want to do their own home canning and maybe don't have a home garden. So for example, if we stick with the tomato uh, example, you know, our number ones and our number twos are mixed together um, in the containers that we sell at our farmers markets or in our online sales for home delivery. And we charge the same rate for those. Uh, Now, if we are selling wholesale, we will split those, you know, we'll let our restaurant customers know or our wholesale buyers who are reselling, uh, no, this is. these are number ones, these are number twos. The price m- might be a little bit different on those. It's not a huge difference at all on our end because that's just not the position that we're in. And so, yes, we do rely on our customers to look past um, a scratch or a blemish Um, We certainly don't sell anything, you know, in that category that would go bad faster. If it's got a bump or a bruise on it, I literally have a corner of the table that is the scratch and dent section. (laughs) And you do get a discount uh, by purchasing out of that basket uh, the tomato that has the bump or the spot or the bruise on it that needs to be eaten more quickly. Uh, Benefit to you, benefit to me. It's not going to waste. But the good thing about our farm is that we do have livestock. And so if it's something that can't be sold direct to consumer, we don't have an outlet really for selling things like that to somebody who's going to um, process it further for freezing or canning commercially. We're just not that size. And so it will go to either myself, either I do our freezing and canning. We keep, we keep and eat all of the ugliest produce. I mean, literally, if it if it comes out of the, the gardens and it just isn't okay to sell, I'm chopping and freezing that for us for in the winter or we're eating that for dinner that night. You know, that's not going out on the table. Um, and if it's too much for us, then the livestock gets it. It never, ever, ever goes to waste. And I understand that there's farms that don't have um, livestock. And so that generally is just going in their compost pile. So to clarify, you know... Are you saving a family farm by buying from these companies um, that sell this imperfect produce? Likely not. Are you saving a farm if you're buying this imperfect produce or this irregular produce directly from a farmer at a farmer's market? Oh, yeah, you very well maybe. You know, so if that's your your choice is to buy that directly from a farmer versus having it delivered. Yes, you actually are making a much larger impact Than if you were to buy them from a company who is shipping it across the country um, straight to your door. So I think I just needed to clarify that a little bit because I did have a couple people reach out to me like, "What? I don't understand that." We've always talked, you know, been told, "Yes, you know, don't worry about how ugly it is when you're buying it at the stand." And I actually have people who specifically look for the ugly tomatoes because they say they taste better, and I actually can't disagree with them because (laughs) they're actually pretty much right. I have sold yellow squashes that were twins that were fused together down the center. And, I, you know, it's a two for one deal at that point. You take the ugly ones, you know, you get a two for. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure that everybody was on the same page because that's not what I'm I'm not a proponent of, you know, not buying, you know, ugly produce. I just don't want you to be pressured to think that, you know, it is your, I don't know, moral obligation to salvage you know, these these items out of the commercial stream uh, because a, a farm is relying on it somewhere. They're really not. P- trust me, there's plenty of places for that produce to go. But if you're buying it directly from a, from a local farm, first of all, thank you for shopping your farmer's market because That should be the first place that everybody goes is to, in their local community, go to their farmer's market to get their grocery shopping done before they move into the big box stores. Um, And yes, you are absolutely making a difference anytime that you are buying directly from the farmer. So thank you uh, to the couple of people who reached out to me. I wanted to make sure I provided some clarification on that. So that's it for this episode. Um, I really hope that you are having a fabulous week. I thank you sincerely for listening. I thank you all who are um, sharing these episodes with your friends. Uh, our listenership is growing. We're getting more people out there uh, listening and tuning in and, and learning more about starting and, and tending their own gardens. And I think that is fabulous. I'm super excited to, to continue talking to you every week and, and hoping to help you as much as possible. That is my whole goal. Uh, I will be back on Tuesday for our next Garden Talk Tuesday episode. This is your last chance to get your questions in for next Friday's Can You Dig It episode. So you can use the link in the show notes to leave me a voice message. You can send an email to grow at justgrowsomethingpodcast.com, or you can use the contact form on the website, justgrowsomethingpodcast.com. Also go out and follow us on our Instagram page um, at justgrowsomethingpodcast. Like I said, I did a little bit of a follow-up uh, IGTV video uh, today that I put out there that um, also related to the nutrients uh, episode, uh, so you got to, to see my mug out there today real briefly. And It was more about tomatoes than anything else, but uh, you can go check that out, and I would super appreciate any feedback you can leave about the podcast. Rate and review it on your podcast player, um, Apple, iP- or Apple Podcasts. I keep saying iTunes, but that's not right. Apple Podcasts um, is one of the metrics that is absolutely used kind of across the board for, for podcasts. And so if you can rate and review it out there, that absolutely helps us and gets more people listening to this episode. So thank you so much for listening today. I will talk to you again next week. And in the meantime, keep cultivating that dream garden. And I will talk to you again soon. You just finished another episode of the Just Grow Something podcast. I hope these episodes are helping you understand more about how to grow your own food and maybe growing an awareness of food issues in general. Just remember no matter where you live or what you have, you can absolutely grow something.